0: What's up, everything? Hey, everybody. Uh, This is going to be a little bit of a different episode this week for a number of reasons. First of all, uh, our dear friend Ian is in Texas uh, with some friends and family, and Uh, spending the holiday down there, and we just couldn't find a time to make it work long distance to record an episode this week with the holiday. So uh, we're just going to have an extravaganza next week and get caught up on everything. Uh, Second reason it's a little bit different is because it's the holiday and because I've had some awesome things going on uh, in my family. Uh, I just had my first niece born, Athena Ruth. Uh, we're happy to have her in the family, but it's been a busy week, and so I haven't gotten to take a lot of notes. And uh, I've been listening to podcasts because I've been driving around a lot, so I feel like I know the issues pretty well. But I don't have a lot of notes in front of me; just some sort of uh, bullet points to remind myself what I want to talk about. So it's going to be a lot more improvised than normal. And finally, uh, as you know, this has been a really hard week in the hockey world. It's been. Uh, I think, f- sort of a bloodletting of some issues that have been bubbling for uh, probably decades, honestly. But um, kind of, I don't know if it's fair to say that this is part of the same momentum from the Don Cherry incident that we discussed a few weeks ago. But it does feel like hockey is undergoing a really substantial transformation uh, right now. And while there are good aspects to that, it is a painful process and uh, it's a difficult time to be a hockey fan. And with that in mind, uh, we are going to talk about some subjects today that are a little, not political, that's not the right word, but they're not exactly you know fun, happy-go-lucky hockey topics. So if that's not your bag, if that's not your cup of tea, uh, no one, certainly least of all me, is going to be offended if you just skip this one. I will do a little blues talk towards the end, so I'll uh, try to remember to leave a note in the um, in the show notes to uh, tell you when to skip ahead if you just want to catch the stuff about uh, Bortuzzo and Sunquist injury and all that. Um, but uh, for uh, the rest of you, if you want to skip this one, totally fine. If you want to hear, I'm not going to say anything crazy controversial, I don't think, but uh, we are going to talk about Bill Peters and Mike Babcock, and I know that's a hot button issue for a lot of people. So um, if you want to skip ahead and see us next week we'll probably touch on these things somewhat but it might be a little more briefly and maybe the uh, uh, subject will have cooled down a little bit but for the rest of you who want to stick around on this wild and unpredictable journey with me let's get started and let's go blues Welcome back everyone, welcome to uh, the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Friday, November 29th as I record this. I am all by my lonesome here in uh, the bowels of the Two Guys One Cup studio, which as you know is located as always in a semi-truck hurling, hurtling off the side of a mountain. Uh, this, as I mentioned at the top, is going to be a solo broadcast, so prepare for all the Uh, strangeness that accompanies that i think we've only done once uh done this once before or part of this when we had the recording difficulties with justin uh during the playoffs but uh for those that have been around it'll be a little bit like uh, mike francesca you know talking on his own except the only difference is i actually know who ichiro suzuki is so at least i've got that going for me um I hope everyone listening to this had a wonderful and safe and happy Thanksgiving and uh is going to have a happy black friday and a fun weekend uh i had a very happy thanksgiving a little non-traditional we didn't have a big turkey dinner but we did have a new addition to the family uh and it is my very baby niece athena who i love very much uh so we are happy to have her but as i mentioned at the top i won't regurgitate all that basically a little bit of an off-the-cuff episode a little bit abnormal today so if you're still here god bless you uh why don't we go ahead and get started. I'm just gonna uh, talk about some issues chronologically here because there's no better way to talk about them uh, so we might as well go back to the top with the Mike Babcock firing. I believe we did talk about the firing itself Last week, but shortly after we uh, finished recording and published the episode, uh, this report broke about uh, Babcock's treatment of Mitch Marner. Uh, As the story goes, apparently... Uh, when Marner was a rookie, as you all know, Marner, uh, is a, and now a star player for the Maple Leafs and believe he had upwards of a hundred points last season. But when he was a rookie, even with a high pedigree, uh, Babcock asked him in private to basically create for him a list of the players that he thought didn't bring maximum effort or rank, rank the players in the Maple Leafs dressing room by how, uh, high of an effort they made versus, you know, the lowest and laziest players. And Marner did that, not wanting to uh, upset or offend his head coach. And Mike Babcock promptly took that information to the locker room and told the team where Marner thought they stood. Uh, That um, was fortunately for Marner, uh, most of the players understood the situation he'd been put in and weren't uh, overly upset about it. And I do believe, as the reports have uh, kind of in the shadows been circulated, two of the players near the bottom of the list were uh, Nazem Kadri, who is in Colorado, which is uh, coincidentally where the reporter was when this story broke. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. And uh, I believe the other one was our very own Tyler Bozak. So um, who knows? You know, I don't really care where Mitch Marner ranked them three years ago. He's a Stanley Cup champion, but it is an interesting little side note to this story. Uh, And in any case, uh, this news broke last week and everyone pretty much universally recognized that this was a huge breach of trust, uh, a, a massive overstep of the powers of being a head coach and just an absolute absolute travesty of a way to treat a rookie player who's only 18 or 19 at that point in his career and uh, babcock had already been fired at this point so there aren't immediate ramifications for him but uh, i'm kind of a two minds here because on the one hand this story is something we need to discuss in it and it links directly to the bigger story that has taken over hockey as we'll talk about in a minute but on the other hand It does kind of suck that all these stories that people, you know, reporters are all saying, well, I'd heard about this, but I just didn't want to break it. It kind of sucks that uh, it's breaking now and you're piling on the guy. I mean, there's no excuse for what he did, as I'll talk about. But um, you would like, I would love it if there was a little more journalistic bravery. I know that... You can't risk offending Mike Babcock in Toronto because you need access to that locker room as a Maple Leaf reporter. But at the same time, if you have this story and you can confirm this story, that's a story that I think needs to be reported. And uh, that's a different subject for a different day, but... um, It is kind of unfortunate that this is all just breaking now that he's already fired and they're kind of dragging his name through the mud. But for this incident, perhaps it deserves it. Uh, My thoughts on the incident itself, is just like an inconceivable way of treating another human being, and um, especially a rookie player, you know, who's a star of your team that's rebuilding at that point, hoping to make the playoffs for the first time in four or five years, and just a I, I mean it's i don't i don't want to overstate it because it's not as bad in a lot of ways as what uh, Bill Peters did as we'll talk about but just awful i mean it's just a, an inhumane way to treat a player and i know it's seeing there there are those who think well it's you know that's blowing it out of proportion and all i just just put yourself in Mitch Marner's shoes you're a terrified 19 year old who's got all the talent in the world but you're standing alone in a room with Mike Babcock who's this intimidating presence this legendary coach and this you know two-time Olympic gold medal winner and one-time Stanley Cup winner as a head coach and he's asking you to do this thing you're not going to say no but you're also not assuming he's going to go and tell all of your teammates what you think about them and try to put you, you know, in a position of, of disrespect and on bad footing with all of your teammates. It's just, I mean, it's just a bad thing to do. And I think if this didn't happen in a hockey locker room, if this happened in a boardroom or, you know, a, a restaurant or anywhere else, there'd be no question that this was a bad move. And, and as we'll talk about after we go through the Peters incident, um, I think the the fact that the hockey culture that some of this is attempting to dare, tear down is the same thing that is making some people say, well, it's not that big a deal. So why don't we go ahead and go into the real headline of the week, uh, which is the Bill Peters story. So on the heels of that story about Marner and a couple of other stories uh, that had not as major that had come around about Babcock. Uh, Obviously, Mike Commodore always hates Mike Babcock and was tearing him down as much as possible. With all of that kind of soup in the air, uh, Akima Liu, who was a former Blackhawks prospect and uh, strong player in the OHL, uh, tweeted out a series of tweets aimed at Bill Pe- Bill Peters, and this was on November twenty fifth, so four days ago. He tweeted, not very surprising, the things we're hearing about Babcock. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Same sort of deal with his protege in YYC, which is the airplane or the airport code for Calgary, uh, for obviously referring to Flames head coach. Then Flames head coach. Spoiler alert: Bill Peters. Uh, Alou continues, dropped the N-bomb several times towards me in the dressing room in my rookie year because he didn't like my choice of music. First one to admit I rebelled against him, wouldn't you? And instead of remedying the situation, he wrote a letter to John McDonough and Stan Bowman to have me sent down to the ECHL. 20-year-old on pace for 20 goals in his first pro year with zero penalty or power player penalty kill time was off to a great start in his pro career. Now, um... He went on, there was a subsequent addition to the report uh, with a a local reporter who, when Alou added that basically the incident, and I'm going without notes here, so forgive me if I get the details wrong, but basically... uh, Lou was in charge of the locker room music and played a lot of rap and hip hop. And uh, Peters came in one day and basically said, uh, I'm sick of this N word shit. I'm, you know, and I'm sick of all this. And I talked about something about n-words other n-words in the ad just really vile stuff uh that Peters is reported to have said and several players have confirmed this and I think you'd be insane to assume that Alou had any reason to make such a story up at the time uh but this story dropped and it basically went off like a nuclear bomb Bill Peters was already on the hot seat in Calgary a little bit although Brad Treliving, the general manager had uh seemed to kind of give him a vote of confidence, uh, last week, but, um, it was already a team that was on the rocks and then this story broke and, uh, everything went even further to hell. But then Michael Jordan, Mikhail Jordan, the Czechoslovakian version, um, or Czech Republic version, excuse me, uh, added on to the fire former NHL player said uh, never wish anything to the bad to the person but you get what you deserve Bill after years making it to the NHL had experience with the worst coach ever by far. Kicking me and punching other players to the head during the game. Then pretending like nothing happened. Couldn't believe my eyes. What can happen in the best league? Happy that I don't have to go through that stuff on daily basis anymore. He said typed basics, but obviously meant basis. Um... The Flames did an investigation over several days. There were many, myself included, who wondered why they didn't just fire a guy that they already shouldn't have wanted to keep. Uh, but as you know, as I thought more about it, it's obvious there were a lot of legal questions involved and contract disputes and all that. It was pretty queer when they didn't allow him to coach Wednesday night's game uh, that there would be be no chance at uh, a reunion here. And today it was ultimately announced that Peters had tendered his resignation to the organization and was on his way out the door. Uh, I don't, there was a, there was an awful apology in there, an awful statement from Peters that was meant as an apology that uh, I don't want to even bother to go find and read because it was legalese and guarded and worthless, but um Yeah, I mean, there's a lot we can talk about here. I will start by saying, obviously, there's no place for what Bill Peters did in uh, hockey or anywhere else. And if there's someone out there listening to this who has sympathy for Bill Peters, um I would just strongly suggest you reconsider. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot of that and we'll talk about this more, but there's a lot of that sort of, well, this is a hockey culture mentality that's sort of generally swirling about, you know, and with Babcock, I disagree strongly, but I think it's at least defensible that, well, he's just being tough on his boys and trying to show him who's the boss and all that. I, Automatically dipped into a Mike Babcock impression, even just saying that. But with Babcock, that's at least dispens- defensible. He mistreated people, but he didn't do something that you know is is universally culturally condemned. With Peters, it, you're not allowed to use racial slurs ever. This was 2009. It wasn't the Dark Ages. Barack Obama was president already. It's not like anybody was hiding the ball on uh, racial racial issues in America and in Canada. Uh, Peters was head coach of the, I believe, Rockford Ice Hogs at the time, uh, the Chicago AHL affiliate. Um, But, you know, I've heard people say, well, that was 10 years ago. He shouldn't be punished for it. Now, of course he should, for a lot of reasons. Not the least of which is that he didn't tell his team that this was out there and that there's a serious potential breach of contract, you know, not to get into the legal um, legal aspects of it. But when a team extends a contract to a head coach, to anyone really, but especially to a head coach, obviously they're paying him to be a coach, but he is also a spokesperson and a figurehead for the organization as a whole. He's other than, you know, he's other than players. He's the most prominent figurehead of the team. He's in front of cameras, in front of microphones every day that he's coaching, which is a, you know, very different from most general managers, most owners who are uh, often behind the scenes guys to varying degrees. So when they make that investment and Peters doesn't disclose something of this magnitude, that when it reaches the light of day is certainly as you have seen it do going to bring derision, shame, uh, embarrassment and worse onto the organization. That's obviously a fireable offense, let alone the debate about whether what he did was fireable, which it certainly was. Um, There's no, you know, the 10 years aspect, really. There's just no argument for it, because if I bring you into my company and find out that you are a criminal, you know, I have the right to fire you, even if the crime has nothing to do with your current job, because I don't have to employ criminals. And obviously, this isn't a criminal action by Bill Peters, but... It's a similar circumstance in the the fact that the person that he advertised himself as being during the interview process, during whatever hiring process there was, which, according to reports, there wasn't much of one, which is a different issue. But um, whatever that process was, when he signed the dotted line, he agreed to represent the team, and now he cannot do that in good faith. And so he is, you know understandably fired on that aspect alone let alone uh the gravity of what he actually did on its own merits and for that you know the physical abuse thing is very different to me from the racial abuse thing and so i guess i'll start with the latter um as i already mentioned you know if if you can't vocally and uh, unabashedly condemn Peters for his remarks towards Alou, then I don't have a lot of time for you. Uh, that's obviously way out of line. And so there's not really any reason to go into it that much other than just to say, I mean, it's it's shameful that hockey is still this way it's shameful we had the Don Cherry situation and that's very different from this and I'm not defending Don Cherry by any means but you know he at least was trying to make a point that he thought was valid and you misused his words to a large extent it's a different type of situation this is Bill Peters doing something that uh obviously at the time was vile and inconceivably so and now is you know possibly even more so and has never shown any remorse for it i mean there's just no there's no place for that anywhere much less in hockey which claims to be for everyone and yet continually continually shows that it's uh, basically for middle class white kids in canada and america middle class and up um By its actions, you know, actions have to meet words. And if you're going to say that hockey is for everyone, you've got to start living that at some point. Now, the hockey does a lot of things right with that Uh, on today's Spit and Chicklets podcast or the most recent one. They happen to have an interview with Jamal Mayers where he talks about the program they're doing with the Blackhawks to get hockey into the community and introduce kids who would never have a chance to play it. Uh, to the sport, and that's wonderful. But on the ice, there needs to be more done and said. And I understand the difficult power dynamics between a coach and a player, but there is, it is inconceivable to me that this man, Bill Peters, was allowed to rise through the ranks of hockey from an AHL head coach to an NHL head coach in Carolina, get fired because he was incompetent and because of the abuses we'll talk about in a moment, and then get hired by a new team. And, it, and he had a career for 10 whole years before this came out. And I'm not... Alou is the least of the concerns in terms of reporting it. I don't know how he had a teammate full, a a locker room full of teammates that didn't report it. But this, my, my focus isn't to call them out or shame them. It's just, it's an emblem of hockey culture and how, bad of a place it's in that none of these people felt like they had a space or an ability to come forward because they're all hoping to make the NHL they're all fighting for the same opportunity and as Alou showed here uh, there's an argument that this situation ruined his opportunity for him now Alou is uh, even better known or was even better known before this for his incident in the OHL playing with, I believe, the Windsor Spitfires when he refused to allow uh, himself as a rookie to be hazed. Uh, They wanted several of the rookies to take a team bus ride in the uh, bus bathroom naked together, and Alou refused to do it because he's a human being, and that is ridiculous. And um, during practice, Steve Downey, who was the captain, uh, cross-tracked him in the face, And shattered many of his teeth, I believe, and bloodied him tremendously. And so Lou somehow got labeled as a troublemaker for that. Um, Which is... It's just, I mean, hockey, you need to get a grip. (laughs) That's all I can really say. Um, I know I'm a little all over the place at the moment, but... I don't know how either of these situations is justifiable. And for it to happen to the same person who is still, I believe, trying to play hockey. That's how much he loves what he does. Um, For it to happen to him twice in, you know, before his basically 21st birthday is just, and I'm sure those weren't the only times it happened to him. It's just probably the most extreme. Uh I I don't know I don't there are no words for it so leaving the race aside for a moment the, going to the physical abuse reported by Mikhail Jordan I know that there are people out there who think uh, maybe not kicking and punching as much but this level of verbal and emotional abuse by coaches is just fine and I've seen a lot of the well these millennials just need their safe spaces and that's why they can't handle like. What would, you know, how would any of these guys have put up with Stan Bowman or, you know, stubby Clem Clap or whatever the coaches of the 30s and 40s were named? And um yeah, I, people, older people had wrong views about things. That would be my response to that. Yes, they're. Is probably some there's probably some truth that millennials are softer generationally than some of the generations that have come before us. We've never been drafted into a world war, for example, or any other any form of war. We've got a lot of things that uh, we have been sheltered from in good and bad ways. But it's never okay to emotionally abuse someone. And if you think it is just because that's an old school hockey mentality, I'm sorry. I am going to continue to disagree strongly, and I guess we just won't see eye to eye on that. What Babcock did, what Peters did, they're both vile to me and in different ways, as I've already said. But the idea that we need to protect these guys, that they should have the right to behave like this and and go unpunished is is absurd to me. It's absurd on its face. I don't understand how anyone thinks that truthfully. Um, Frankly, I, I think that this is the start of a real day of reckoning for hockey. Uh, And I think it's going to be a really hard year to be a hockey fan, if I'm truthful. And I, I don't say this glibly or with any disrespect, Uh, But I do think this is going to be sort of a me-too movement uh, in the NHL world. I don't think Bill Peters is the last domino to fall. I could be wrong. Maybe there are just two bad apples. Um, But there are a lot of coaches out there that are hated by their players. And I don't think this mindset that you have to be an asshole. You know, There are guys. There are guys like Paul Maurice who made a statement and came out and explained that Blake Wheeler kind of set him straight on some issues like this. And I think you've seen similar things with John Tortorella. There are coaches out there who uh, have that reputation for being fiery and being an asshole, and, and we've seen them sort of transform. And the fact of the matter is, it, I don't care if that was legitimate 20 years ago as a coaching philosophy. It's not now, and it's going to be continue. It's going to continue to be less and less vi- uh, viable as the 30-plus-year-old players get phased out and the current teens and 20s become the veterans. That's just—nobody's going to put up with that. And if if you're out there and you don't like that and you're dragging your feet and you think Babcock bad, got a bad shake or that uh, Peter's punching and kicking his players was fine, I that's your opinion. You're entitled to it but i don't think hockey is moving in your direction and personally speaking for myself uh, i hope that it's not because this game should be fun it's the mo- it's the most fun sport in the world they play they do things that require more hand eye coordination than any other sport and they do it traveling on skates i mean the sport speaks for itself In terms of excitement, and a lot of times you get those conversion stories like Tony X um, and others who, you know, have never seen hockey, and they step into it, and they love it, and that's amazing, but I don't know how people uh, certainly from a minority background, but really anyone right now could look at hockey and think that's a sport I really want to associate with myself with. That's a sport I really want to, uh, enjoy right now. And, and that's sad because it, it's as a sport, it certainly deserves it. And I know there are a lot of, um, a lot of folks, uh, who kind of want it, um, to stay the way it is, but, uh, I just don't see how it can. And I think for its health, it needs not to. Uh, And I know there are, you know, I've seen a lot of tweets to this effect. And I know it's true that, you know, 90% of the apples could be good. And we shouldn't ruin the sport for the 10% of bad ones. But if what if we could just have 100% good apples, you know? Um, That would be the pinnacle. And I think we could get there. Uh, if we empower players to continue to speak up and, and talk about things that are over the line, I'm not saying coaches can't bag skate their, uh, players. I'm not saying they can't be hard on them when they screw up. I'm not that guy. I just think this kind of literal physical and emotional and racial abuse has got to stop. And, um, yeah, that'd be kind of my take on the whole situation. Peters is out now, uh. Uh, no word on his replacement yet. I think that's the last of the Flames concerns at the pr- moment. But um, like I said, I think this is just the start and not the end. Uh, but we will see. So now that that's done, um, let's move on to a little bit of Blues talk. I'm not. I'm not going to dig into games really today. Um, I just. Don't have the energy or the time to really get into the minutiae of, of two losses to the Predators and um, a victory over the Lightning. The Lightning game was good, other than the Sanford injury, which we or excuse me, Sunquest injury, which we will talk about. Um, we won four to three and Bennington looked phenomenal. Uh, Sunquist got his two goals, and it was a great game, one of our better wins of the season. We always seem to play the Lightning well. Um, The Predators series was rough, but uh, you all saw the games. I actually probably saw more of them than I did, Uh, so I will leave the breakdowns for next episode, and I don't even know if we'll break those ones down because they'll have been so far in the past, but... um, we will talk about a few things i'll start with i guess you know trying to stick chronologically again the robert bortuzzo suspension which do you guys remember when that was like the big story in hockey that feels like three decades ago at this point but um yeah robert bortuzzo was suspended four games for cross-checking uh victor arvidson in the crease and the first of those two nashville games uh He deserved the suspension, guys. I don't... I mean, there... I haven't... I've seen a lot more people from outside of Blues Twitter saying, I can't believe Blues fans are defending this than I have seen Blues fans defend it. But if you are defending it, again, it sort of goes with the last conversation. There's not a place for this in hockey. The first one, I probably... There's an argument Arvidson went down a little easy, but that doesn't give... Bortuzzo the right to look at the referee see that he's getting a penalty called on him and then smash his stick over Arvidson's shoulder blades in retaliation. Uh, Arvidson is now out four to six weeks as a result of his lower body bending under him awkwardly after the pressure of Bortuzzo's hit and then uh, he got a nice little waffle board to the jaw as uh, Bennington who himself is you know, I love Jordan Bennington, but he's a little bit of a scumbag on the ice. That's not the worst thing all the time, but he certainly seems to enjoy the occasional dust up. Um, He got that extra little shot in on Arvidsson, and it was not Vict's best night. Now, for the suspension itself, I think this is accurate. I don't think it should have been more. I certainly don't think it should have been less. And here's why. I don't. I don't usually quote myself, um, but I do when I say something brilliant. And this time I did. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I did do some research, and I tweeted this out on November twenty fifth. Uh, so. Um, Let me read it real quick. A series of tweets from then. Uh, This is just on suspensions that have happened recently. In the last five seasons, there have been 22 other suspensions of four games or longer. Uh, That does not count suspensions for drug abuse, spousal abuse, (coughs) Austin Austin, Watson, or uh, anything of that nature. Um, But these are just on-ice suspensions, you know on ice suspensions. I can't get my words out. But um, 22 of those that are four games are longer in the last five years. Of those, eight were four games exactly. Of the remaining 14, four were mandatory suspensions for joining a fight. And I was counting Weidman's abusive officials among them. Those are mandatory 10-game suspensions. No questions asked. Uh, Bing, bang, boom. You're done. It's in the CBA. It's over. Uh, Of those... Uh, remaining f- f- ten. One's a phantom because it was Domi's five preseason games for uh the rabbit punch on somebody that should have been a much longer suspension and not preseason games, but um, it probably would have only been two or maybe three in the regular season because the league is weird. Uh, two were legendary discipline cases, the Wilson hit on Sunquist and the Rafi Torres hit on Sul- Sulferberg. In essence, that's seven times in five years that the NHL has judged a play worthy of stiffer punishment than this, than what Bortuzzo got. And of those su- remaining seven, all are five or six game suspensions. So... This is my conclusion. You can argue that Bortuzzo's suspension should be five or six games. Maybe that's fine, but an argument for this play being a 10, 20, 40-game suspension is not realistic. Maybe the system's too lenient, but that requires systemic change, and it can't do it just for this play. That's a different argument. So four games is about right. Five or six would have been justified. Anything more just isn't recognizing the history of player safety. Uh, So yeah, kind of gave some commentary as I read that. But basically, there's this no there's really no logically consistent argument for this being a longer suspension other than what I heard a lot of which is well he was being a bully and he was mean and Arvinson got hurt so he should be punished longer and maybe he should be but under the rules that are currently established he was never going to be and I think that's the important distinction Bortuzzo has been a repeat offender he's done this exact similar play before he is you know deserving of the reputation of being kind of a dirty player at times but the fact is dps department of player safety only gives four five and six to them a four game suspension is a very severe suspension most suspensions are one two at most three games so four regular season games is severe um so i don't think I don't see how you can argue for a lot more than this other than just wanting the system to change, which is a fine argument, but it's a separate argument. And that's where I think people got mixed up. You can be mad that this wasn't 10 games, 20 games, whatever, but you can't be mad at Bortuzzo or, or think that he should have escaped, you know, he should have been punished worse than every other player that's ever been punished because this cross check isn't worse than a lot of hits to the head. And that's not excusing it at all. It's bad, but you know, the other suspensions were also bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, if we want to change the system so that suspensions are longer, I'd be very fine with that. I don't think it's likely to happen because the, DPS is answerable to the owners and general managers, and the owners and general managers don't want to lose their players for 5, 10, 15 games at a time. But I would argue that should be the case. But in this individual case, it was never going to be a lot longer than it is. The only other thing I would say is, and uh, rarely I think, I feel like I rarely agree in unison with the puck soup guys, but they felt the same way. The argument that suspension should match the crime and that if um, Arvidson is hurt for four to six weeks, Bortuzzo should be suspended until he's returned. Uh, it's ludicrous. There's just, just because you can't possibly litigate that. And, you know, there's no... Think about the wormhole that would open up. Think about a an incidental trip where a guy, you know, smashes his face into the boards and has to miss a whole season, and they decide the Trimps suspendable for one game, but it was unintentional. I mean, we could go on and on with examples, but that would be a disaster. Um, the DPS isn't doing a perfect job, but it would probably be worse if their hands were tied in a lot more ways than they currently are. So... Um, that's just my take on that the cat seems to be agreeing with me in the background or uh, very angry about what i said i can't i can't decide which so a few more blues topics then we'll get out of here quim Costin was sent down uh prior to the second nashville game he got his first nhl goal in the first nashville game and uh, Baruby and Armstrong think thought we'll reward him by sending him to the AHL. I was hot about this on Twitter. I am still hot about this. Troy Brower got the uh, PTO contract. Nathan Walker and Derek Pouliot got called up, and uh, in response, Costen got sent down in his first game back in the AHL. I believe he took a bad hit to the shoulder and skated off the ice immediately down the tunnel um it, there are reports uh by you know our 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 friends um in the blues twitter verse that it's not that serious an injury but i haven't heard that from an official source yet so i don't know uh he's currently officially listed as week to week um but <laughs> i was hot about this and i will explain why um Probably be a longer conversation with Ian too when we get to do that next week. But I talked, I tweeted a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago about how the Blues needed to treat this as a lost season in some ways. And let me explain what I meant by that. I'm not saying. I don't think this team will make the playoffs. I'm not saying they should pack it in and give up. That wasn't what I meant. What I meant was they need to be more concerned with future seasons than they are with maximizing this one because they just won a Stanley Cup. They are ravaged by injuries. I think this was just after the boy injury and I hadn't even heard or known about the Koston or Sunquest injuries yet. And... They need to be careful and they need to do two things more than anything. They cannot go out and wager futures for temporary rental help. That would be so foolish. I know the Taylor Hall rumors are swirling. If they can get Taylor Hall and get him extended, by all means, I will trade almost anything that isn't tied down. Don't hesitate don't hear me not saying don't hear me saying i don't want taylor hall on this team but if they're going to trade for him because vova's hurt and they're scared and they need forward help and uh, maybe maybe hopefully he likes it and st. you know the usual cardinals move well maybe he'll like it here and just stay um don't just don't do that cuz it's you're going to give up Kairou in a first or something stupid to get a rental that probably is going to walk after the season anyway. So that's dumb. So please don't even consider that. But even minor... Tra- I mean, if if there's a guy... If there's a Tyler Toffoli or a whoever that you can get for a third-round pick and, you know, I don't know. I should, Some prospect. Nolan Stevens. A third-round pick and Nolan Stevens. Then fine. I'd, I wouldn't hate that. You know, you do certainly have a man-game problem now. But... Anything more extreme than that is foolhardy, in my opinion. And the other big aspect of of treating it like a lost season, to some extent, is I think they need to play the kids. And I don't think Craig Berube is very willing to, and that concerns me. Clem Costin was playing fine and he was receiving fewer minutes and I know I don't catch everything I know baruby has got a better eye and a better vantage point than I do and I'm sure he did see things I didn't but Koston had just gotten his first NHL goal and just like Kairu last year we sent him out sent him down after and I know there's an argument for people need to get a taste of the league and get the reward and then go back and earn their long-term keep but that's an argument you can make when your team isn't literally hemorrhaging injuries. Costen, to replace Coston in this lineup with Troy Brower to me is patently insane. It's patently insane. I never understood for one second Doug Armstrong's argument about well, we got a lot of players on this team with fewer than two hundred games played in the NHL, and uh, I just you know we we want to make sure that when we lose another guy, we don't have another kid coming in, and it's like why? Everybody on this team won a Stanley Cup last year. I don't see what the value of 600 games played in a vacuum is if the person playing those games was Jamie McGinn. And that's no disrespect to Jamie McGinn, but I don't get it. If the person playing those games was playing them as a fourth line, third line grinder type and never won a Stanley Cup, why do they know more about what it takes to win and how to build a successful team than Robert Thomas? That's gibberish to me. It's nonsense. It's old school hockey logic from a different part of the old school hockey logic brain than the Bill Peters Mike Babcock stuff but they're not entirely dissimilar it's just stupid antiquated thinking to me I don't get it and I know there are people out there that will say I'm not in the room and I don't understand and maybe I don't maybe I don't maybe I don't but maybe the room needs a refresh and a new coat of paint and Quim Costin to me deserved a shot at top six HL minutes not at AHL minutes and yes the injury is a freak accident but it certainly was a hilarious response to all the people that said well they've got to send Coston down to protect him from uh the revenge game Nashville's gonna play which I, I don't think seemed especially bloodthirsty from the parts I did catch of it uh but in any case Costin isn't a factor anywhere in the near future with his injury and his being sent down so uh Brower Walker Pouliot are here um And now after Oscar Sundquist was injured in the uh, game against Tampa Bay in the second period, he got tangled with Luke Shin and has a lower body injury that sounds serious. It sounds actually a lot like the Tarasenko injury where they're telling us they'll update us early next week, but that doesn't sound very likely that the update will be, oh, actually he's healthy and we're going to play him again. Um... They called up Austin Pagansky, which is a surprise move. Uh, Not one I'm deeply upset about. I like Austin Pagansky a lot. He was a um, 2014 fourth round pick by the Blues and is a big physical player who will, you know, be the kind of player that Berube really gravitates towards and likes. Um, He's also got a really good college pedigree. He was captain at North Dakota in the 17-18 season. He had 31 points in 59 games in the AHL last year and has 13 and 21 games this year. Uh, so I in a vacuum, again, I said that phrase a lot, but I like Austin Pagansky a lot. I think he has potential to be kind of a uh, you know a a less good Troy Brower in his prime, David Backus in his prime kind of physical, heavy power forward that agitates teams and also, you know, has a little bit of skill. Um, I think he's more of a a bottom six kind of guy, but that doesn't, you know, those are still players you need. And so I'm excited and hope he gets into the lineup and we get to see what he can do. But other than that, there are serious questions about why Quim Costin got sent down, why Jordan Cairo isn't getting an opportunity and um, we'll talk about it more with Ian next week but it worries me it worries me I know I've heard some reports that the uh, Blues don't think, don't want to rush Kairou to the NHL and they don't think his knee is fully ready for NHL action that doesn't make sense to me because I don't know how he can be a more than point per game player in the AHL and not be healthy enough for the NHL Uh, What I think is really happening and what I fear is really happening is that Jordan Kyrou isn't the type of player that Doug Armstrong believes can earn minutes in Craig Berube's system. And if that's true, Craig Berube needs to change his system. Jordan Kyrou is the mold of the future of the NHL. He's really the mold of the present of the NHL, and it's ridiculous uh, that He isn't getting more of an opportunity than he already has. And I am really, really worried about the player development of this team right now. You know, Robert Thomas was basically forced to start for the team last year because they knew he was too good to be in the OHL. And um, they had to send him there if uh, he was going to leave the team because he was 19 still, but uh, even with his presence, they scratched him a lot early in the season, and there are plenty of people who would argue that that was fine and helped him develop. I would argue that it slowed his development and is part of the reason he didn't emerge until late in the season, and he's now one of our top three or four players on the roster already at the age of 20. I think Jordan Kyrou could be that too, even though his skill set is very different. And Costen, who as you guys know, dating back to our prospect pyramid, I was not as high on or as confident in, is still your best shot at replacing the goals that this team lost in Tarasenko and the helping along the expected goal per 60, which is second worst in the league. That's not and anomaly that's bad, um, and we need help, and uh, Troy Brower I, I n- is not going to provide it. And I'm not the biggest Troy Brower hater out there. I don't really have a problem with his being here, except that it's preventing players who are going to make more of a difference from getting the chance, and that worries me. So uh, Kyru needs to come up, and he needs to get 12-plus minutes a night as soon as possible for this team's offense to possibly have a chance of recovering a little bit from this rash of very serious injuries. We should have known the Stanley Cup was going to result in some misfortune for this team. I think all things considered, we'd take it. Uh, we will take the trade, but um, certainly not the best Most exciting time to be a Blues fan right now with the injuries. Got a game tonight. First game, I believe, maybe second game of the season with the Dallas Stars. Uh, Ben Bishop will be trying to destroy his hometown team. We'll see how it goes. It's 7.30. I'm excited. Um, I think I'll just wrap it up there, and uh, we'll just call it for the day and... We will be back next week with Ian and an exciting episode full of God knows what's going to happen to this team and this league between now and then. I don't know if we'll record that Thursday or Friday, uh, but I will keep you posted on Twitter. Uh, Hit us up during the game tonight. Let us know what you thought of this episode. I know it's a little bit of a strange one, but uh, there is too much to cover to wait. Uh, next week's episode would have been about six hours long. Um, it still probably will be. but um, yeah, I wanted to get something for you all over the holiday weekend and uh, let you all know that we are still here, that hockey hasn't swallowed us in the black hole that is developing at its center. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, thanks for listening if you made it this far. Really, we really do uh, appreciate every one of you. We are very thankful. Uh, For this podcast, we've made a couple of of very good friends and uh, a few more, uh, many, many more uh, friends and and acquaintances that we're very pleased to know and and to call our friends. So uh, we're thankful for just that. You know, we have a lot of fun doing the podcast, but we never planned for it to be. A commercial success, thank God. Uh, but um, it has brought us more than we could have ever expected, and, and we're very thankful for that and excited to see where it goes. So if you listen this far, um, shoot me a gobble gobble on Twitter, and uh, I will just give you my sincerest thanks. Uh, we love you all. We're thankful for you, and we will see you next week. Or as the pilgrims say... I am sick with dysentery. Good night, everybody. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one.